This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on authenticity, created by the real-life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Welcome to season three of the podcast. Hey, it is Janelle here. Excited to be doing a duo episode with Rachel. We are going to be talking about our own journey in finding our true north in 2020 and how the many dots of our journey since we started this podcast are starting to come together. And in this episode, we are going to tease out what's coming in 2021 and what we're looking forward to. This is going to be a two-parter. We hope you enjoy. Now let's jump on into the podcast. Welcome. So, and you and I really didn't talk about this before we hit record, but we can go for it now. Originally, we said we wanted to talk about loneliness and safety. You still feeling good about that? Oh yeah, totally. (laughs) Why do I seem not into it? No, I mean, you're fine. I'm just curious. I, I think I'm excited to talk about the topics and I'm also a little nervous. I feel like loneliness for me has been something I've struggled with for a long time and haven't had enough awareness around it to understand why or even to really like address it uh and I started to do that in 2020 so I say I'm excited and I'm also like hmm what's the probability I'm gonna cry while talking about this (laughs) today crying is neither good nor bad it is a part of the human processing experience it is well I've been doing a lot of human processing lately (laughs) good yeah yeah I'll I will clear that um my heart space is a little all over the place today because our family dog passed away unexpectedly yesterday morning so my parents called me um er super early just devastated Mm -hmm. um yeah, it was really sad. So her name was Maggie, and I just want to give her a shout out. She's a cool dog. We never had pets growing up because my dad's really allergic, but uh, Maggie was, he was able to tolerate her from an allergetic, allergenic allergy standpoint. Um, and so she was 13, she was almost 13 years old, um, but she definitely left sooner than we all wanted but she was a really cool dog I'm grateful we got to have her and um yeah it's just been kind of um is an interesting it's been an interesting 24 hours so um so I'll just share that um and so I may have more of a vision or more of a perspective around like that feels more life and deathy but I that doesn't necessarily mean anything um I think I'm just really connected to the impermanence of life at today. So yeah, what kind of dog? Brussels Griffin Shih Tzu mix. Mm. Yeah, so the cutest. Just didn't know how small she was. Believed she was like like played with all the big dogs and just like was a big, big, big personality. And she was definitely starting to get older. So there's a part of me that's like, I wonder if. Um, I don't know. It seems like, I don't know if she really would have wanted to have people watch her get old. And so um, in the shamanistic world that I um, am connected to, 
there's a process that you go through in um, ensuring that pets, you know, cross over the bridge safely. And she did. And um, I'm really grateful that I have those practices because it feels like I can put some ritual to the experience. And um, I was able to connect with her um, from an energetic and spiritual standpoint, whether that anyone believes in it or not, kind of doesn't really matter. For me, I was able to connect with her um, kind of on that spiritual side and she's super happy. And so, um, you know, she's not upset. She's not mad at anyone. She's not, she's just grateful. And so that was a cool experience to have. And I'm kind of holding it all um, while also watching my parents really, really struggle because yeah. it was like another child of theirs, truly. <laughs> it's like the child they never had with me. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, it's, uh, but I'm really glad, I'm proud of myself for being able to hold that space with them and not get too rocked, honestly. Like I'm pretty at peace, even though I'm still sad, I've cried a lot. Course, and, yeah. um, but I've been way more at peace um, and being able to hold my parents' devastation without, it becoming my own has been an indication of the work that I've been doing around safety. And so um, I think this will actually be a cool conversation to, to look at it through that lens. So anyways, I just yeah. needed to clear that. No, thanks for sharing. You know, yeah. Family pets. There's been quite a few people in my life that have had their long-term family pet pass this year, which mm. makes me sad, but obviously yeah. it's a, it's a part, a part of life. I'm in denial with my pets. I'm like, they'll never, for sure. They'll never pass. <laughs> well, it is. I mean, it's weird to, I mean, for my parents too, like my parents are in their late sixties and you know, the, the gradual change of people getting older almost happens before your eyes. And like one day I'll notice, you know, the way my dad gets up from the couch or something, or the fact that my dad has cancer, you know, like there's just stuff that's like, oh shit. Like if they got another dog and that dog, you know, dogs live 10 to 13 years on average. That means that the next time, the next time we would get to that point, they'd be in their eighties and like, that's old, like, holy shit. So I don't know. I think there's been like a lot of like, and then my own, me too. Like, um, yeah. So there's a lot of layers to it that I'm just sitting with. Like we never talk about that stuff. We people don't. humans we really I, don't I had an interesting conversation with my dad last night um I'm definitely like the spiritual one in my immediate family um and it's taken me a while to like own like some of the spiritual conversations that I have and experiences that I have and it's been cool to actually since Egypt they've really been open to he hearing some of my experiences and I'm not too attached either way so but anyways, I was talking to my dad last night and um, I was like, the Western world doesn't really give us a lot of opportunities to honor death. And so I know we've talked about that on this podcast before, but, you know, even for myself, if I was experiencing the loss of like someone so close to me that I spent so much time with all the time, that would be devastated, devastating. And he was like, it feels like there's a hole in my heart. Like, how am I going to? And I was just like, wow, to be the child of my parent and to hold that space for him to feel that devastation and to acknowledge like 
there hasn't really ever been a place to like acknowledge how sad death is, but then how beautiful it can be and the complexity in it. And, you know, because I had cancer when I was 14, I've been wrestling with that for a long time and I'm still not there by any means. Like, you know, we don't get there, but it was just like an interesting dynamic to, to share that with him. Like we don't do, and for him to be like, you're right, we don't. And I don't know. So it's like kind of, it's kind of been a bit of an opening to, to have some different kinds of conversations with my parents that um, I haven't really ever been able to have before be there for them in a way because I wasn't ready to either. So, yeah. Yeah. It is even in our family this year, we had like a, a small get together for Thanksgiving. Um, not yesterday because today we're right in Black Friday, but um, last weekend and one, well, for me, I actually haven't been with my, my family the past couple of Thanksgivings because I was in California and it just didn't make sense to fly back and then try to fly back for Christmas. Um, but I think for the family unit as a whole, we've had really strong and beautiful um, traditions that we always have Thanksgiving at the same place with the same people. And so to do it and to not have the same people um, there just because of COVID safety, but then also I think it's been hitting people pretty hard this year, just the point about empty seats of people who have passed away or my cousin just went into the military. So he's gone, you know, just those small little holes in, in sitting in that. And we've also been watching a lot of old family videos, which is really cool. But um, I think my uncle said at one point, because we did watch one with uh, on our, during our Thanksgiving celebration, it's just like it, it's really sweet and it's really cool to see. And it's also kind of heartbreaking. So I've been, I've also been sitting in that, just like how, how things do change. And when, and my, my cousin actually just had his, basically they never got married for multiple reasons, but basically lifelong partner, um, passed away pretty suddenly. Um, it wasn't COVID related, but, uh, gosh, like three or four months ago. So just kind of sitting with that, it was a really interesting dynamic and people, you know, it's hard. You don't, you can see the pain in someone, but you don't necessarily know, is it an appropriate time to talk about it? How do you honor the dead? Um, I had a friend that just told me on their family members birthdays that have passed away, they'll eat their favorite food and like do their favorite activity. I thought that was really beautiful, but definitely sitting it out with my family of kind of it's the empty seats are there, but no one's talking about them still because we just don't know. You know, people just don't know it's, how to approach it. it. Yeah, it's interesting that you do that because so I do a monthly um, or I'm part of a monthly adult cancer, young adult cancer support group. And this, it was just this Tuesday. And we talk, we were talking about the holidays and a lot of people in the group are still going through treatments. And so they were like, it's weird because you go to these holiday get togethers and, and you're, you know, people are talking about stuff and like, you don't want to be like, let's talk about this terrible trauma that I'm experiencing that no, you know, yeah. that's really uncomfortable. And, and then they're like, and I want to talk about it because I'm experiencing trauma and it's traumatic and it sucks. And I want people to be with me. And then they were like, yeah, and, or we were all saying like, and then you as the person holding the trauma are like, 
and I can tell that everybody's trying, doesn't really know what to do because you know, it's there. And, and then somebody said, um, something brilliant. She was like, really all I want most of the time. And this night might not be for everybody, but I was like, fuck yeah, that's totally how I feel. She was like, sometimes I just want people to acknowledge how shitty it is. And to even just say like, and it's on both sides for, for the door to be open. Like it's not just, you know, and and literally anyone has the opportunity to say something. And a lot of times, like the most healing thing can just be the community acknowledgement of the fact that something sucks. Like we were all saying, we don't really want it to be solved. And I'll speak from I, like, I usually don't want it to be solved. I usually don't want you to sugarcoat it or tell me that it's going to be okay. I don't want you to ignore it. I don't want you to rush past it. I want you to sit with me while we acknowledge that it fucking sucks. That's it. And we all, everybody on the, on the Zoom was just kind of like, yeah, totally. Just acknowledge how much it fucking sucks. And then usually there's like a collective like, and then make a move forward. Um, so anyways, I just share that because uh, I, for many, many years in my family, we did not talk about the cancer. We did not talk about, we don't, you know, you just kind of like, oh, we want to make sure to not ro- not bring anything up that's going to like stir Rock the pot too much. Yeah. yeah. But like, that's what being human is all about. Um, and I know we're going to get into it, but I'll just share one more thing. Um, what's been coming up for me lately as I've been, you know, working on cultivating safety, which has been a huge part of this year for me, is the recognition that I have tried so hard to learn from other people's mistakes so that I could avoid experiencing what I saw them experience from their quote unquote perceived mistake. And so it was like, well, if I can know it, then I don't have to go through it. But the fact of the matter is, is that as a human, like the only way to get anywhere, like I have to, we have to experience it on our own. You can't bypass any of it. And so it's one thing to know, but you have to actually, I have to actually experience these things that I am avoiding. Otherwise, if I'm avoiding them, no matter how healthy or uh, evolved the thought process and the concept might be, if I am just trying to like get to the other side before I am, I'm bypassing it, which means that I'm actually um, operating in self-defeating ways. And I'm just delaying the inevitable. I'm actually causing harm for myself and other people around me. So um, I've been sitting in that a lot of like, where in my life have I been trying to get it right because I've seen other people get it wrong and I don't want to experience the outpouring that I saw come from that when by just allowing myself to experience it is human and to know how to just work through it and feel the difficulty that's the only way and to really be in it that's really the only way to get through it otherwise I'm just masking it and creating weird fucking programs that don't allow me to actually be me so yeah that brings up a lot I think when we talk about the logical like you logically know something but like emotionally you're not there I think a lot of that is ties into what you're saying and then even being a younger sibling (laughs) 
feel like there was a lot in my life where I'd watch my sister do something and you're like, oh shit, I'm not gonna do that because I saw the outcome and some of which is good, but there were also lessons that were lost or it was then more about like being perfect and not getting in trouble versus having my own experiences. Like I would avoid things that I could have learned from just because I watched someone else go through it and be like, ooh, there was pain there, there was anger, there was shame there, I'm just not gonna do it. And it, you know, it is what it, what it is, but I would most likely have stepped into adulthood with additional tools if I would have allowed myself to go through those processes. I'm also gonna like backtrack quite a bit, but there was, there's someone in my life who has another friend that recently was diagnosed with cancer and you helped I, the conversation and the person I was talking to like didn't know what to ask their friend and I was like honestly from what I've heard and obviously everyone is different but from my friends that have gone through cancer like they don't want you to tiptoe around it like they want to be seen and the fact that we we tiptoe around death or pain or discomfort it's not allowing a person to be fully seen and making probably them in turn feeling like a little bit more shame around it too. That I'm like, oh, and, and I'll speak from, I'm not in this scenario, but in other ones, it's like if I'm suffering or in pain or whatever it is for whatever reason, and people don't want to acknowledge or address it, then all of a sudden I feel like a burden to everyone around me. And rather than feeling seen and feeling that safety of sharing, I all of a sudden want to isolate because I don't want to be a burden to the people around me. And because I can't be fully seen in whatever state I'm in, it creates a severe disconnect from me and everyone else around me. And if you're going through something like cancer, death, whatever big event it is, I just, it's, it's sad that we end up potentially being put into that space of isolation just because we feel like we're just burdening other people with who we are. You just validated my entire existence from 14 to probably 29, probably longer, honestly, 34. Yeah. I mean, that's literally exactly. I, the work I'm doing this year is in recognizing that I am not a monster, that I am not a burden, that I am not, because I've been working on codependency pretty, pretty heavily, like really facing it and like holding a mirror up. And I just, I didn't realize how much my, like I already had codependent tendencies from my family upbringing, but having cancer and having the label of courageous and like all this stuff that is meant to probably empower. And for me, it like further like dug in my codependency in ensuring that the way I set myself up, the way I operated, the way I existed in the world was to ensure that I was not putting any more of a burden onto somebody else by being me. And so, um, I've been super unpacking that and I feel so seen right now by you saying that. So thank you. I'm sure I picked up a lot of that just from listening to your experience too. And knowing that like I've 
never had cancer or that experience, but like we've talked about in the podcast, like I have felt that in so many facets of my life that who I, we're going to have a really emotional podcast. <laughs> so I'm about to start crying too, but um, that who I am is a burden on other people. And so that vulnerability of being seen and like putting myself out there, um, I didn't do. And that'll be a segue into loneliness today too, because that's a huge part of why I spent the first 26 years of my life feeling completely alone all the time. And even more so and into recently, but it's definitely started to diminish more and more. Hello, Rachel here. As you know, I'm a life coach and I'm really excited to offer the True North Collective community an exclusive discount on life coaching as we finish up this year of 2020 and head into 2021. So if you're interested, simply reach out to me via email at rachel.unstuck at gmail.com and mention the promo code TRUENORTHHOLIDAYS and you'll receive 10% off any packages or sessions purchased between now and the end of January, 2021. It would be an absolute privilege and honor to witness, celebrate, and hold space for you to reconnect to the power of your own authenticity. Now back to the podcast. Well, I see you, I feel seen. So, um, Is there something specific that you wanted to talk about about around loneliness? Um, I, I feel like kicking it off, just somewhat sharing my experience. And then, um, cause I have like one of my 2020 things has been practicing being vulnerable and, and being open. And I, as I just mentioned, I went through most of my life just always feeling alone like alone and sad and I'm still playing with this sad part because I'll I'll be honest like I I think I'm a happy person in a lot of ways and I have fun and I do cool things but um in a lot of the moments of stillness there's still like a lot of sadness that could be because I didn't process it most of my life it could you know it could be for a lot of reasons but for a lot of my life I had that feeling of loneliness like it didn't matter if I was in, you know, a room full of people. It didn't matter if I felt like I had friends. Like I still felt really lonely all the time. And I would ask other people, and a lot of people tell me that they're like, oh, sure, I feel like lonely sometimes. But for me, it was like this chronic sense of loneliness that I only recently started to unpack. And I mentioned it started to diminish for sure. Um, but I had never heard someone have a conversation about it. Like I felt alone in my loneliness, (laughs) you know, if that makes sense, because anytime I would muster up the courage to even potentially have a conversation about it or like ask someone else about it, people would be like, I don't feel that. And so one of my thoughts in bringing it up is that there are probably other people that have experienced that sense of chronic loneliness that maybe haven't heard anyone else address it. When you say loneliness, I don't know if I've used those words before. I definitely 
have felt very different. Like I felt like I don't fit in. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily like belong to any group. Like when I was in high school and junior high thing, even in college, like pretty much my whole life. I, like, I feel like I've always been like, I'm a little bit this and I'm a little bit that. And I never like fully in any one group and, um, and I had friends, but it was never like anyone's best friend. Well, that's not true. I did have some, I have had best friends and stuff, but so I don't know. I think when you started talking, I was like, I don't know if I would have ever called it loneliness either. Cause I always felt like I had people around, but I did, I have always felt different. Like I'm not totally like everybody else or like where I want to go with conversations, people don't want to go there. Um, and so that's how I explained it or isolation. Like I've felt that I have, I can see looking back on my life, the times when I have been in disassociation, which I'll speak to when we get to, when we talk about safety, but like those moments where I self-isolated um, because I didn't, it was like the, I don't know. It was like, a, I don't. So yeah, I think that's, I felt like, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it is interesting. The loneliness piece. Um, Cause I don't know if I would have called it that either, but I definitely feel versions of it. Like you said, I mean, and I had friends and this is me breaking in my process and trying to explore it of like why had I always felt like that and I think it's kind of twofold to see if any of this connects with you and what you're saying but one being that I just didn't have a lot of like real connection in my life it was and we could break this down a lot and we've even probably talked about this a little bit but like that was probably one of the reasons why I was drawn to you because it's like I was seeking this connection that I wasn't getting in my relationships and I could spend time with people but I would leave that time still feeling really alone and like you I mean it was like separate and so I think that was one part of it is there wasn't a lot of depth in my life in my relationships and this is not me pointing a finger. It's me also acknowledging that I didn't have a lot of depth into who I was as a person. Therefore, even if someone else wanted that, or was even maybe feeling the same way, like we wouldn't have gotten there because I didn't necessarily know how to do it yet. Like we could have maybe started, but, um, I was spending probably, I was spending too much time focusing on what I thought other people wanted. And therefore I never felt seen because like, I didn't really know who I was that well. And yeah. therefore it just like, everything felt very empty. That was, that would be another word I would chronically, like if I look back in my journals, right. That I just felt empty all the time. Yeah. I wonder if me having cancer was like an easy scapegoat for me to go, well, I am different. Like, I just am. And so instead of feeling, and I didn't feel empty because I felt too much. I was just like, yeah. I feel too much. 
And why can't I feel less? Um, and so I think for me, it was like easy for me to just be like, I am different, which is interesting. What's coming up for me right now is the Enneagram. Yeah. Um, because my Enneagram number is four, which is like wanting to feel like you are special and you've made some sort of impact in the world. Um, that's my interpretation of it today. Um, which is interesting that the flip of that is being different. So like, I don't know, it's like, I almost like tried to turn that into a superpower to make myself feel better or something. Um, so that I didn't feel like totally ostracized or something. I don't know. <laughs> it, yeah, it is really interesting. Cause I would say now the more I'm getting to know me and shed a lot of those layers and conditioning and things that I actually think I do feel really deeply, but I had to learn to just suppress it. And in turn, when you just don't feel any of it, there's the emptiness. And so that has been interesting because I will say now in specifically 2020, there have not been that many moments where I've felt that. And I felt that way for years. But now I also, if I'm feeling something, I don't numb it out, which is a huge part of 2020, right? I talked about how I stopped really watching TV. I, I mean, I still do, but not very often, which used to be what I would do almost every single night because I didn't want to do with my life. You know, I don't drink very much anymore. Like I've tried to limit my social media use, which is still probably one of my biggest crutches. <laughs> but, you know, just being more like aware of the things that I'm doing. I mean, even like things that are positive, which we've talked about on other episodes this year, like working out, it's like I, yes, working out can be a good thing. And if you're doing it to avoid and numb out, then it's not necessarily a useful tool. Um, so just really looking at all of that and like actually sitting in my emotions has alleviated a lot of that emptiness um yeah there's a what I, I love what you said earlier which is the disconnection because well I'm going to say what I heard I was disconnected with myself therefore I could not connect to others mm -hmm. and I can relate to that so hard because when you said you wanted to do a topic on loneliness, the first thing that came up for me is I had a coaching session with Renit, who we had on the podcast earlier this year. And I was talking to her about whatever my topic was. And um, she said to me, are you lonely? And I was like, well, I got, I got, got, the, got this community and like this partner and this thing and like this thing. And she's like, are you lonely? <laughs> and I was like, fuck yeah I'm fucking lonely I'm totally fucking lonely like I don't I don't feel like I have where do I feel seen and like anyways and and so that's the part that I was so fascinated with that has kind of stuck with me through the second half of the year is that or whenever I talked to her I can't remember um that we when that you can feel lonely when you're with cl people close to you mm -hmm. and that that loneliness has I'm seeing now that that is an indicator that I'm disconnected from myself and when I as I've been able to build up my own 
sense of self, I'll say. So like the parts and pieces of me, my inner kids, my body, my, my soul, my shadows, as I have gotten to know these pieces and built up a relationship there, I have felt a lot less alone and I've, I've felt less like I needed to reach so far out to other people for the things that I wasn't giving to myself so that I could instead genuinely connect with another person instead of using that connection as a way to get something for myself to feel okay. Um, yeah. It, I've been reflecting a lot on this topic and many things. So if anyone listened to, I think it was season two, right? Where we really started to focus on making friends as an adult. Mm-hmm. Cause that was right when I moved to California. Like I was, I got really intentional with that. A lot of the why behind it. Not only did I just move to a new place. So naturally <laughs> you, you want new friends and like to make friends. Um, but a, a lot of that season two was driven by the fact that I had felt lonely and I'll share now that it's interesting to me, like in some of my more dark, sad moments, the thing that I hold on to the most is how grateful I am for the group of friends that I built up now very intentionally and like letting go of people that didn't make me feel this way, like allowing myself to be seen, allowing to do my friendships and relationships differently than I had done it before. And just like how much, how much gratitude I have for having that in my life. And, but I think when you show up that way too, it comes from such a calm place that I don't hold on to it as tightly as like I used to hold on. It's like if a friend left, if I made it about me, I made it about my own worth and not to say I'm never going to have those feelings again, or like I won't experience that. But now I think it's so much easier just to be like, I showed up exactly how I wanted to. I allowed people to see me. I didn't put on a facade. And if they walk away, like I actually don't feel that loneliness or emptiness from it as much because I know that I did it to the best of like my ability. And I was the person that I want wanted to be in it and I'm also learning how to do that in romantic relationships now which I've never done before and I'm still struggling with it to be honest like there are times like you had mentioned it's like you're you're reaching for things you're not giving yourself and then it it starts to build a resentment almost because all of a sudden this person is not giving you what you need and it's an unfair expectation um And so I'm just like finding myself trying to take what I've learned in friendships too and replicate that in right now a romantic relationship um, too of like, okay, what am I, what am I doing here? What am I not giving myself? And then also how do I continue to stay open? Because that is something I've discovered about myself too, is like, I have a lot of distrust, a ton of stories around people and people leaving me and like being the victim of that experience um so in times when I'm like man you know I'm feeling a little this way it's like I kind of just have to like continue to turn back in and it's like if you were not worried or afraid of losing someone or worried or afraid about the outcome like what would you do here and 
generally for me, it's like, I would actually say how I'm feeling. Like, and a lot of times it's like a very positive thing, but I've realized how much I've held back even positive things out of fear. It's like, I'm afraid I like this person more than they like me. So rather than looking like the quote unquote idiot who's giving more, I'll just keep it to myself then. And it like prevents that depth. And so it's just like, it, again, I'm not like to some sort of finish line in this, but I'm seeing those patterns and being in, cause I'm currently staying in with my parents. I think a lot of people, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that, but um, back in like my, you know, my childhood bedroom, living <laughs> where I grew up from ages zero to 18. Cause I lived in this house, my entire uh, adolescence. Um, it's, it's been interesting to see like this new version of me, this person I want to be. And then being in a space where I never was that person before. And it, like the contrast is showing up even more so than before, I think just because of like the, the environment I'm in. So it's been really interesting just like to analyze, analyze that. So I'm kind of rambling, but I hope that other people might be like, oh yeah, that like I've felt that or thought that or maybe haven't thought that aspect of it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's super relatable and um, first of all, I think, I feel like I can say this to you now, but like, I think you going back to your childhood experience is like such a gift for you because <laughs> to be able to relive, like to see and experience yourself show up differently in that environment, it's like source. You know, um, like I moved away from my childhood home. So like I have gone back to Libertyville and re-experienced Libertyville in a different way. But, um, you know, and I've experienced people from my past in different ways, but like you kind of get to go back to like, I don't know, like a memory from a doorway and like stand there and honor the past while recognizing that you're here now and what's here now and where do you want to go like that's pretty powerful so as much as it might be like a lot and suck <laughs> you're like you're getting to like experientially transform that stuff and that's pretty yeah. cool i'll say it is cool and it sucks like you said for sure and i think one of the biggest thing this is just like for me right now and I'm like really we're getting really vulnerable but sitting in it like in this moment of acknowledging how easy it is to regress and I don't think it's true regression right like there's you can't uh, like I know inside me like I can't unlearn the things that I've learned and like this person that I want to be but I do think it's very easy to fall back into old dynamics but now it's like I and I don't love this phrase but it's like I know better <laughs> quote unquote again I'm like quoting again um but like still falling back into those experiences so I'll say I'm like oh I've been doing all this work and it is a lot of internal work but I will not proudly say it's been externally reflected yet <laughs> and that's okay at I, least not in this that's scenario or environment yeah I mean what you've been there a few weeks yeah like, I mean <laughs> yeah and I'm trying yeah definitely trying to have grace and 
I've yeah. been doing like it's kind of funny maybe funny is not the right word but um been doing like inner child work while I'm here too just like really always just diving in um so still processing internally and not necessarily externally yeah I feel like I want to acknowledge you saying that because I've never heard it really said in that way of like processing and experiencing something internally versus like the external um, mm -hmm. output or like influence that happens as a result of that. And like, that is really true. Like, and especially I think it can be really frustrating for me when I'm doing this work and then my external environment doesn't match <laughs> what I am, what I, where I want to be. And I know we've talked about that. There's like a quote related to, um, creativity by Ira Glass that speaks to a, an artist or a creative person at the beginning of their journey when they're like, their tastes are at this level. That's why they're doing it. But there's a big gap. And no one ever talks about that gap mm -hmm. in between um, like having to show up and make like a thousand, five thousand, fifty thousand, you know, bad light bulbs in order to get to the light bulb that works in order to get to the place where the output matches or the external matches the internal. Um, so I just, I appreciate it within this context. Cause I don't know if I necessarily had, um, had, had like felt it that way before. I appreciate yeah. that. It's definitely, um, it's when I meet new people now and the relationships that I've built, that I was just speaking to that I'm so grateful for. It's so much easier the stakes are so much lower to come in as this new evolved person that you are and to start it out and to build that foundation there and to do it in older relationships that have history like that's where it's like the next level up for me right now of like okay now how do i do that there because i know that this internal change has taken place i know the person that i want to be but I'm sitting in the reality that this internal person that I am now is not matching external behavior in this environment. And that's the gap. And that's hard when it's like, damn it, you know, you can do this. Like you've done it. Why aren't you doing it here? And it's like, again, there's like a lot of reasons for that old conditioning, old dynamics. It's when you're building new relationships, I think you attract people that are seeking the same thing or like in a potentially similar places to you um so to have to go back and do it in a different realm has been i mean that's the fucking work right there oh i know and it is it is work and sure. the payoff that in those relationships is unbelievable like i'll speak for myself not because the other person necessarily changes yeah. But it's like to witness and experience myself handle situations differently. It's like, yeah, I can step into a new relationship and basically reinvent myself, so to speak, mm -hmm. and like set that standard. And yeah, that feels good. But to be able to stand in that truth of who I am today amongst a situation that normally would have rocked me to the core and it is rocking me to the core but i am do even an uns different is like 
I don't know. There's nothing else like it. I think that's why I keep stepping into this work, even yeah. though it's like hard. I mean, oh, all I want to do is run. Yeah. Being human is not for the faint of heart, especially no. when being, when we're being human within a society that has created a world to try and avoid experiencing anything other than happiness. And like, we have done that. We have all signed up for it. I, and it's, it, it is starting to crack, but you know, we are getting to witness the result of what happens. And, you know, obviously there's a lot more to that, but it's like, what happens when we, so I, I guess the other thing is like, I have to acknowledge the fact that Thanksgiving is like, the essence of the idea of having a day dedicated dedicated to gratitude and what it's like in essence we thought it is stood has stood for is like beautiful like the coming together mm -hmm. the connection the bringing together of different cultures the gratitude for the things that we have the sharing the community hell yes the reality that it's built on and the fact that we are have been unable to just own the humanness own the genocide own the all of it i mean and to bring it back to me it's like we haven't had a society in america i'll say that has been based upon just owning our shit because we're humans we're not gods we're not like none of us is like has all, all these answers like and so like i don't know i was having a conversation with dylan because we were driving, we went up to Milwaukee to celebrate Thanksgiving with his family early. And then we drove back down to Dallas through Oklahoma, which is a lot of old um, Indian land mm -hmm. and Native American land. And as we're driving through, because there are parts of Oklahoma that are still very, um, very, very old ways of thinking. And it's scary honestly. And, you know, we were sitting there and Dylan said, what would our society have looked like? Well, what would our world or our country have looked like if when colonists came over to this country and saw that it was already inhabited, they said, holy shit, you guys really know how to use land. And like, hey, we actually know about this stuff. What if, what could we do if we came together and honored like what you guys do really well and what we or y'all do really well and what we do really well, what can we do here? Like, this is your land. We also like, where are the state? What is, and that didn't happen. And, and then a few days later, so yesterday on actual Thanksgiving, I spent the morning kind of reading about the the tribes that used to inhabit the land in Dallas because I was like, I really want to know what the history was here. And there's a really, I'll actually link to the article that I found. Um, and so we read it and I was like, even this, it's like, we could sit here and be like, well, this all happened. So we need to just pretend it didn't happen in order to be able to move forward because it is what it is. But no, actually, we still have an opportunity today to be able to go, okay, I'm going to own and accept that this was my part in this. And we can do, what if we tried doing it differently? We did, we, we fucked some stuff up. Like 
where where does that ability to just own instead of pretend that it never existed um and so for me personally in order to be able to move forward i have had to really look at myself and not not talk about i think i've talked about the the ways in which i have acted unsavory i'll say in like a jokey way or an extreme way or shock value way or like i have done this before but the fact of the matter is is that i still have rage within me i have a lot of anger actually and you know i can say it's warranted and all that stuff and it is and we all have it and it's mine and me being able to sit and say that rage actually came from a place of narcissism. It came from a place of codependency and to learn about it and then to be able to own it so that I can actually show up with somebody and not manipulatively because I'm trying to keep myself safe, which is actually not, it's perpetuating my unsafety and perpetuating my survival. And in that I'm now forcing other people to co-create my survival with me is like, asinine it's just like but but again we we aren't really necessarily talking about that talking about the fact that we all are human and we are as humans we make mistakes as humans we have rage as humans we can see beauty and we can also cause a lot of harm for ourselves and others but when we pretend that there's a whole part of us that doesn't exist or we try to make it something different than it is to make ourselves feel better about who we want to be. We never actually get to be the person that we want to be. So. Hey everyone, taking a quick break from the podcast to ask you all for a favor. Rachel and I are growing the True North Collective into 2021 and we would love it if you could rate and review this podcast very specifically leaving a comment saying what you like or if you don't like the tutor collective podcast please let us know you can do that on itunes or wherever you are listening to this podcast and it would help us out a lot we would greatly appreciate it so pause the podcast right now go do it thank you in advance yeah you it, it's the elephants in the room that yeah. no one wants to talk about and which is being to... human which is literally the mm-hmm. aspects of humanity that seem unsavory that are fucking real mm-hmm. and i started laughing at some point at the beginning because when you were talking about thanksgiving and like the the how we could have just all come together and been like hey like, what do you have to bring to the table what do i have to bring to the table it's um i think that's a lot of family dynamics you know completely and specifically around the holidays i know in my experience i view the world incredibly different than my family does and that's you know it's hard like that's a hard place to be in um in the sense that you feel like the outcast you feel like the the black sheep and you don't feel heard and if you try to share your thoughts and opinions um you know, a lot of times people don't want to listen. Like they all want to just prove you wrong. And I know that the people in my family have also felt that in other dynamics, right? Um, and I've also probably shown up that way too, but haven't 
had the quote unquote numbers on my side necessarily, you know, in this scenario to have the same impact, but I've been trying very hard and not perfectly to listen and to try to hear where we do agree. And I've kind of given up thinking that I'm gonna change anyone's opinion because I do think that's a lost cause. But at very minimum, it's like, where can we have some harmony to be able to move forward with some good intent? And it's not easy, but um, anyway, that, that just came up for me. And I, I, I didn't mute myself and I started laughing. So I felt like that explanation <laughs> needed, uh, needed to be added in because it's very relatable, I think, to a lot of family dynamics and a lot of just communities too right now and with with how we are right now in the United States and how we can be pretty divided on many you know different topics thought processes ways of life um not all politically related but obviously with the election like that is a huge conversation too we are going to take an intermission and make this a two-parter part one done Hope your ears have enjoyed this listening experience and part two will be released shortly. In part two, we're going to continue this conversation and start to talk about safety, what we're excited for in 2021 and connect the dots in 2020 on our own journey and how this podcast has helped us live our own true north. We're fellow travelers here with you all and we appreciate you listening. This has been another episode of the True North Collective podcast. For more from Rachel and I, check us out on the gram at the True North Collective underscore and make sure you're signed up for our mailing list. That's where we send out all the details on our upcoming events, our monthly community gatherings, and so much more. We love you. We appreciate you. See you in part two.